thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. So grab your bulletin. On the back is an outline, or at least an area of space where you can write an outline, okay? There's not much on there, but it's just for you to make notes and stuff. We are in a series um, presently called In It, Not Of It. And we kind of started last week as kind of an intro of in it, not of it. And basically the concept of that is that we're in this world, but Scripture calls us not to be of this world. And what does that look like? How do you do that today? How do you do that in 2015? Be in the world, but not of the world. And I think that's a big question and a deep question for the church today. Because we're swimming in this world, and how we as a church, a little church, corporate church, be in this world, but not of the world. We, we are called by Scripture to be set apart. That's not perfect, but forgiven and redeemed, okay? And when the church is called today to be the salt and light, we are called to be the salt and light, but how do you get that done? And so what we want to do in this series is we want to jump in and look at individuals, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, in the Bible, who we're in the world, but not of the world, who, who set, were set apart for such a time as this, that in their life you saw stuff about them and knew stuff about them, recognized stuff about them, God's favor was on them, God's blessing was on them, God, God even put them in a position where people that didn't even like God, acknowledge God, allowed them to do stuff to advance God. And how do you do that? And so what we're going to do is we're going to jump in and look at those lives. But before we do that, okay, before we do that, um, I could not move forward until we tackle a couple things. Um, I want you to listen to a quote, and this was given to me this week. My wife found it. It's beautiful. I want you to listen to these words. You cannot build an altar to God until you tear down the altars of false gods in your life. You cannot build altars to God until you tear down false gods, altars to false gods in your life. And I think that's so true, because in this series, we're going to look at qualities and characteristics of men and women, and we're going to start building them into our lives. And, and we can't do that until we've taken care of some business. And I believe there's a word that we used to hear preached all the time, and, I, and I'm just going to go on a hunch here and say about the last 10 years, you just don't even hardly hear the word even talked about anymore. And the word is repentance. You don't hear repentance anymore. And I don't understand why you don't hear repentance anymore. The word repentance or repent is in Scripture over a thousand times. But we don't even talk about it anymore. And in, in, in church today, we don't, I don't hardly ever hear that. You say, well, you're always at the same church we're at. How do you know? Well, I listen to a lot of church services, okay? I know I'm here, okay? I can't go to other churches, but I don't hear it anymore. I don't hear it even in Scripture, and I don't even hear it in, in, in Christian circles anymore. Because the word repentance is almost a word that's hard. That when you tell someone they need to repent, it's like you're judging them. 
So immediately they throw up a wall. You ain't perfect either. Okay, and, and that's what they do. And, it, and that's not what the word repentance is about. The word repent in Scripture is not about that. It's not an offensive word where, where you got beat up for it. It's just a word that God used to say you've got to repent of sin. You've got to repent of sin. You've got to be made right before me. And so the word repentance is a simple word. It simply means to turn or to return. And so for us as individuals, if we're moving in a direction that isn't right, okay, if we're going in a direction that's the direction that we shouldn't be going, we need to repent of that, turn, and come back to God, okay? Or we're moving in a way that we're not supposed to be moving, and we're supposed to return to where we were. And so we as a nation have drifted really far, okay? And we need to come back to God. We need to, to repent and come back to God. We are a nation, a people that needs to repent of sin, okay? And we need to come back to God. And we'll look at some promises of that in a little bit. But, but can I tell you this? We as a nation can't get that right until we as a people do that. We can't go, well, the White House, we needed to get, Washington messed up. No, we're messed up. I, I think we're messed up sometimes as individuals and sometimes as a church. Now, when I say messed up, I don't mean we're bad or anything. It's not what I'm saying. But we don't, we, we live in a day and age over the last 10 years that from this position right here, I don't know that repentance is being preached anymore. Because, see, it's very difficult to grow a church and fill a parking lot when you preach repentance. And, see, that's what it's all about today. you gotta, you got to build big buildings and pour a lot of asphalt and have golf carts go get people four miles away in, 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 a, in a parking lot. Now, there's nothing wrong with golf carts and large parking lots. But the problem is what's happening up here is that we are sometimes watering down the gospel in order to draw a big crowd. And there was a day and time where we just simply preached the word, and that's it. Today we look and say, hmm, I don't think I can preach that. People may not like it. But what's happened to us is we've not preached repentance and, and getting right before God because we think it's offensive and it may run people off in the church. And what it has done is it's made the church look like the world. That's what it's done. Because now we just have big old crowds of people at church. And I don't know for sure if when we dismiss from church that all the people that were at church were extremely nice to all the waiters and waiters, waiters at the restaurants when they leave here. I, when I was a youth pastor, I had a waiter from Pizza Hut tell me that her worst day was Sunday. And Sunday night in particular. Because that's when all the youth groups came after church to eat pizza. And they would take the lids off all the salt and pepper shakers. And they would trash everything. And they wouldn't tip. And they wouldn't be polite. And they were loud. And he said, I would rather no churches come eat pizza on Sunday nights. That's sad. Because I don't know if that girl was even saved. But that was her view of what it was like. And so today, 
We've got to get back, I believe, before we can ever, ever begin to look at people in the Bible, ever begin to say, wow, Daniel was such a stud. I'm going to develop, I want to put that part of Daniel's life in part in my life. Man, look at David, look at Ruth, look at Esther, look at Paul, look at Peter, look at the things that made them great in God's eyes. That's why God's favorite. Before I can ever put those things in my life and begin to put them in practice in my life, we must repent of sin in our lives. You can't build a mansion on a dump. And I'm not saying your lives are dumps, but all I'm saying is we've got sin in our lives Many of us, I included. And until we repent of that and get that right before God, we have no reason to put godly qualities on top of junk. It's not going to work. I said earlier that you could lay a, lot, lay a whole yard of beautiful, beautiful fescue, fescue sod. I mean, thick fescue. You could lay it out there, and you could water the dickens out of it. But if you haven't taken care of the dirt below before you laid the sod in a year, you're going to be covered with weeds. And so today, we as a church have got to get back to looking at the dirt before we ever lay the qualities of God on top of that. And we've got to get back to what Scripture says, the word repent. I want to keep rolling on this. I want you to go. And we're going to go to some Scripture that you may have to look at concordance to find. And that's okay. Just don't laugh at your neighbor and don't punch your husband or wife, okay? But first is this. I want you to go to Leviticus. Leviticus. Some of you are like, oh, my, that's in the Bible? Yes, it is. It's right after Exodus, okay? Go to Leviticus. And make sure you lick your fingers. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture on this today. A lot of Scripture. Leviticus chapter 23. I want you to look at verse 26. We're going to begin in 26. Now, the subtitle in my Bible says the Day of Atonement. Now, listen to me. The Day of Atonement is this coming Wednesday. If you were going to go by their calendar, the Day of Atonement is Wednesday. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what that looks like and how opposite it looks like in the USA. Okay? We're going to look at the Day of Atonement. Okay? Verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, now this is when he's speaking to his people, also the tenth day of the seventh month, shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before God to your God, to the, to the, before the Lord to your, your God. Verse 29, for any person... Who does not afflict his soul on the same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on the same day, that person will be destroyed from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute for you forever throughout your generation and all your dwellings. It shall be on the Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month from evening at evening, from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. Now, Day of Atonement is this coming Wednesday. If we were to celebrate the Day of Atonement and honor the Day of Atonement like the children of Israel, we would do no work. Now, I don't want you calling your boss tomorrow and go, 
hey, my preacher said I don't even have to go to work Wednesday, but you got to pay me, all right? That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is they took this day and they did no work. They did no work, none. They rested. It was a Sabbath to them. And what they did that day is the whole day, as you see, from evening to evening, all they did was sit and rest, do nothing, but in, but look in. That's all they did. They just simply stood before God and said, God, I want you to search me and know me. Is there anything in me that's not right? Is there any ways in me? Has my tongue spewed evil? Are my thoughts not what they should be? Is there any idolatry that I have in my life? Anything I'm putting before you, God, I want you to strip that of me. I want you to cleanse that of me. And by the blood, I want you to wash that of me. That's what they did. They did no work. The Bible says that, that back then there was a year of fallow ground. They used to take a, the, back in there and they used to farm, they would take a whole year off every eighth year. They would take a, take a year off. Fallow ground. They let the ground rest. And they said that if you let the ground rest, that the next year the harvest is twice what it was the year before. You know, it is really strange to some people how that life is still the Bible. That the Bible was written in today's world that we live in really, really, really fits in Scripture today. What if, I just want you to just imagine how cool this would be. What if on Wednesday in the United States, this nation, a Christian nation, Grounded on Christian principles, who on the money that it spends, says in God we trust. What if on that Wednesday that the whole United States of America stopped? Just imagine that for a little bit. Stopped. Didn't do nothing. Didn't do anything. No school. No convenience store staying open. No nothing. Some of you can remember that Sunday almost felt like that back in the day. And if the whole nation, the whole nation, all it did that day was rest and look inward. But see, we don't do that because there's money to be made Wednesday. There's accounts to be filled. There's sales to be made. And if we stay real busy... We don't ever have to look in. We just stay looking out. And see what they did. They sat before God. And they were still. And they sat. And said, God, look at me. They, it says they afflicted their souls. You say, well, Jeff, that's an Old Testament principle. It's not a New Testament thing. Hmm. Okay. 1 Corinthians 11 31, that is New Testament in my Bible. Y'all might want to check yours. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one 31 says these words. Judge yourselves, ye she be judged. Ruh-roh. Judge yourselves, ye she be judged. That almost sounds like what? That almost sounds like Old Testament Leviticus. 
that says, afflict my soul, check my soul, check my heart, judge myself. Ye snowman judge me, because nobody, don't be judging me. You don't, you don't, no business judging me. See, we're so worried about other people judging us, what we need to do, we need to worry more about judging ourselves before the judge judges us. Because we will give an account one day on what he did for us and in us and what he called us to do and predestined us to do. Okay? You don't have to worry that day about anybody judging you. You would really wish somebody other than him would judge you. Okay? Judge yourselves, ye be judged. So what that is saying is we, as the children of God, and I think that's what we just saying, right? We are the child of God. I am a child of God. Now you see why Paxson sings. But here's the deal. We are children of God, okay? If we claim that, then I guess we are that, correct? So we are bought by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We've been set apart, saved, born again, child of the King. Heaven's our home. God's creating a home for us. When it's time, Jesus is going to come back and get us. So we are a child of God's, okay? So we, as the church, need to begin to understand something, that we have got to take a Sabbath, a day of atonement in our lives, and look inward at ourselves and judge ourselves. God, what is my, what is my conversation like to you? Is my conversation pleasing you? Are my words that I speak honoring you? Is my tongue spewing poison or praise? Because here's the sad truth. We live over here on what I call the grace side of the church, of the cross. See, that's Old Testament, God's wrath, fire. He just burn them up. Woo, glad I'm in New Testament. Jesus died for me. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Correct. But that does not mean you have a license to live however you want to and sin all you want. Paul said these words. What do we do? Just keep on sinning? No. No. It'd be like this. If you're married today, let's just say you're married today, ring on your finger, piece of paper called marriage license that says that you're in a covenant relationship with this woman or this man. Now, according to Scripture, I'm in a covenant relationship with Jesus because of the cross. Is that correct? He died for me. I have a relationship with Jesus. Okay? He and I are in a relationship because of the cross. Now, one day, like I said earlier, the Father says that in my house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would tell you. But I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will send my son one day. I'll come back and get you so you may be where I am. So one day there's going to be a wedding feast where the bride, where the groom goes and gets the bride, the church, me and you, the little church, corporate church. All right? So you're a bride. So I'm in a marriage relationship with Jesus. When the father says it's time, he says to Jesus, go get him. Go get him. And he's going to split that east sky and he's going to come and get the church and redeem him, okay? 
So I'm in this relationship with Jesus, and you're in this relationship with your husband or wife, all right? If you were in a marriage relationship with your husband and wife, does that give you the right to go out there and be with whomever you want to, do whatever you want to do, go wherever you want to go, say whatever you want to say, and get back home and say, what are you looking at? Get over that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just get over it. Just get over it. Listen to me. On this side of the cross, yes, we're under grace. But that, has, that gives us no right, my friend, to go out there as a child of God and live however we want to live, do whatever we want to do, say whatever we want to say, and come back and tell God, get over it. Just get over it. Don't worry about it. My life, I'll live however I want to. You don't tell me what to do. Excuse me. I bought you by my son. My son died for you. He died for more than that. It cost him his life. I'm not asking you to be perfect, my friend, but I am asking you to repent and be cleansed of sin. We can't just say, I'll say whatever I want to say out there to whoever because they deserve it anyway. It's their fault I'm having to say these words, so they just need to get over it. No. You are using your tongue to spew poison that you think you have the right to do. And if you ever do that and slip and make those words, then we, as a child of God, redeemed and forgiven on this side of the cross called grace, we need to go and give grace and say, I'm sorry. I'm absolutely sorry. Because I am a child of God, I'm born again, and I just went carnal on you. I'm in the flesh when I said that, and I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Because I'm going to say something to you. I'm a husband, and if I say that or go do that and come home and tell my sweet little wife to get over it, mm, dynamite does come in small packages, my friend. She's not going to say, okay, that's fine. We're still married. I still got a ring on my finger, and that piece of paper says we're together. No. She's going to walk unless I get right, or I'm going to spend a night on a trampoline, okay? Listen to me. We on this side of the cross can't continue to live however we want to live and tell God to get over it. We must repent and come back to God and realize that sin still is a big deal. A big deal. I want to look at some other scriptures. Uh, let's go to Second uh, Chronicles. Second Chronicles. That's Old Testament again. Second Chronicles. It's about a hundred and two pages further right than where you were in Leviticus. Leviticus. That doesn't help you at all, does it? Second Chronicles. Listen to these words. Second Chronicles. Chronicles, chapter seven, verse fourteen. Second Chronicles, make sure you go Chronicles, not Corinthians. That's New Testament. Because if you that will not, mm, that will not be together. Okay. Second Chronicles 7:14. If, and that is a big if, if my people, who, who remember who we are, I am a child 
of God. If my people, all right, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, mm, then I will hear from heaven, watch the order here, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Mm. If my people, child of God, called by my name, redeemed, will humble themselves, okay, confess their sins, God, I repent. I'm sorry. I've turned from you. I've, I've done my own thing, called my own shots, told you to get over my sin. When, when my sin's a big deal to you, I'm sorry, God. I, I, I'm rotten. Inside, I'm rotten. Everybody sees good. They do, man. I dress it up. I look good. I, man, I can play the part, but I'm a mess inside. I know I'm a mess. I'm saved. I don't doubt my salvation, but my decisions, my locations, my behavior, my speech, all that stuff does not give evidence that I'm a born-again child of God. It does not, and I'm sorry, and I repent, and I come back to you. Well, thank you. I'm going to begin to heal your land. Let me tell you what happens when a dad does that. He begins to heal his land. Where's your land, dad? It's where your home sits, my friend. It's where your home sits. It's where your kids lay their heads down. It's where your wife sleeps right next to you. I know this is right in the kitchen sink, but man, I'm telling you, if we're going to be in it, not of it, you better get in the kitchen sink. Not the sink, but the kitchen. Don't get in the sink, it's nasty. But what I'm saying is, if you want our land healed, we want our nation healed, then we first must start with the little bitty church called me and make sure that we're right with God. And then we as a corporate body called the church will begin to get right. And then we move out there to what we call the community, and the community to the town, and towns are sometimes city, and the city sometimes the state, and the state to the nation, and the nation to the world. But my friend, it cannot come from top down. It must come from down here in the root. And it's time for us as a church to get right with God. If you want your land healed, you want your home made whole, you want your relationship made whole at home, then it starts with us individually. Remember, just because we're on the grace side of the church, on the cross, doesn't mean we live however we want to live. That's just, that's wrong, man. It just can't happen. It can't happen. I want you to go to Isaiah. Go to Isaiah's gospel, 59. Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Look at verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 59, 1 through 3. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. Mm. That means he wants to. But here's what the problem. But your iniquities, my iniquities, have separated me from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips speak lies, and your tongue has murdered perversity. 
Mm. I want to hear my cry of my children. I want to heal their lands, but they must repent of that junk in the trunk. Man, we got junk in the trunk, and we act like we don't have it. What I said earlier, we can't begin to look at people in the Bible, Paul, Peter, Moses, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bacon, none of those guys, and go, I want to develop those characteristics in my life. I'm going to start building that in my life. You can build that in your life if you want to. But here's the deal. Until you take that layer of junk off, all this stuff you put on top of that, gone. Because I've sat with many people and said, I want to do better. I want to try harder. I want to get this right. I want to do this right. Be a better example. All this other stuff. But it begins first of all. First, it begins whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus. Because you can't build this house if you're lost. Lost people can't do this stuff. So first of all, you must be born again. And if you're born again, you better make sure, according to Scripture, that you have a day of atonement in your life where you, you afflict your own soul. You judge yourself. You make yourself right. You ask God, God, is there any offensive way in me? They won't just get over it, neither will he. I want to... I don't want you to go there, or while you're going, I want you to go to 1 John. I want you to go to 1 John, back to New Testament. Go to 1 John. It's right before 2 John. Man, I'm helpful. Uh, 1 John chapter 1. Now, before I talk about 1 John chapter 1, in 2 Corinthians, if you take a note, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, it's a good scripture to write down because in there he says that his word can break strongholds. Sometimes, man, there's strongholds in our life, and, and we need to repent of those strongholds because those strongholds can bring you down. So if you're a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter who has a stronghold, and I'm not going to start naming strongholds, but understand something, a stronghold can have a strong hold, all right? It won't let go of you. It won't let you be what God wants you to be. And sometimes we've got to repent of those strongholds because what strongholds are is that strongholds are those areas of our life that we constantly go back to and we never get victory from. The try, hold, try harder moments wear off. The do better moments we stop. It continues to be a stronghold in our lives, okay? I want you to go to 1 John. Look at 1 John, chapter 1, begin verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is, is not in us. That's a hard New Testament word there. You're like, that should be in the Old Testament with the wrath. No, it's in the New Testament at the grace, okay? But here's the deal. We've got to understand, church, and I'm talking to myself as a little church, sin is a big deal. Say it to yourself if you need to. Sin is a big deal. It's not something that others are going to get over, and God should get over it either. It's a big deal. You say, well, I'm saved. I'm already cleansed. I'm forgiven. Yes, but you must get yourself back under that fountain on a daily, weekly basis where you stand before God like a day of atonement and say, God, I flicked my soul. I judged myself so I'll not be judged. God, look at me. Is there any offensive way in me? Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. A broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. That's what you got to get back to. Because if you build a house on any other foundation, that house is going to fall. That's where you got to be. That's where you got to be as a church. I want you to go back to Joshua. And we're done after this. Joshua. Joshua is right before Judges. Joshua chapter 3. I'm kind of playing the part of Joshua this morning, and you'll see that in just a second. Moses is a Joshua here. Joshua has a word for the people, and I want you to listen. It's a great word. Joshua 3, chapter 5. This is God's people as it crossed the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Mm. Sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. Repent yourself. Judge yourself. Ye should be judged. Afflict your soul so that I might do something in you. Look inward so that I can do wonders around you. John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Why does people not experience the abundant life that God has promised for them? Because they're satisfied with just life. I don't want just life because that's, that's selling God short. God didn't say, hey, Jeff, I gave it to give you life. Okay, but wait, I, I, I came to give you life. But I came to give you abundant life. Woo! I want the upgrade. Give me the package. I don't want just that Chevy. I want all that. I mean, if you go buy a car and the guy says, hey, here's the price for this, and it's got all this. But here's the upgrade, and it doesn't cost any more. Let me pray about that. Amen. I I think I'm going to have the upgrade. So Jesus said, look to me. I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. How do you get the abundant life? How do you have the blessing of God, the favor of God? How does God just do supernatural things around you? How do you see things and you go, wow, man, the wonders of God? How do you do that? 
You've got to be a people. We, me, you, got to be a people that stay in an attitude of repentance that we make sure that we're right before God. Because I'm telling you, if you've got junk in the trunk, you're going to have life, but you're not going to have abundant life. You're not going to have all that God has for you. You're going to miss it. You want to see it. So today, before we ever move into putting qualities of godly people, men and women in our lives, and trying to be people that are not in it, but of it, okay? All right? We're in this world, but what's going to set us apart? By the renewing of our mind. Yes, as we renew our minds, God reminds us that we're not where we need to be with God. And we've got to come to this altar, my friend, because we can't build an altar to God if we got false God altars. We need to come and lay a bunch of junk right here. Just junk. Just lay it down. And then when we get back up, we get back up and go be the abundant life and be all that God wants us to be. That's where we've got to be as a people. I want you to pray with me. Father, as we enter a time of invitation, God, your word's a good word. Sometimes, God, your word says a hard truth. But, God, that truth will set us free, man. That truth is set in love. And so, God, as we enter a time of invitation, I pray you move us, God. Your spirit has spoken. Now may our feet give evidence of what you've said in our lives. God, make us a people of repentant hearts, broken before God, of our sin. God, this invitation is yours. May you be honored by our obedience. In Christ's name, amen.